Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us online today. Can you put your hands together and welcome them? Thank you so much for being here. And I hope one Sunday you'll make the decision at 9.30 or 11 o'clock to join us. Now, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it to Acts, the ninth chapter. We're going to look at the story of Saul's conversion. And the title of this message today is, I Can See Now. The topic we're going to be dealing with is having a God-centered vision for your life, because how many of you know a God-centered vision for your life will change everything about your life? You can't do or have what you've never seen. But when you begin to see from God's perspective, you begin to see the things that he's prepared for you, and he takes you beyond what your natural eyes have seen, what your natural ears have heard, or what has entered into your imagination. Let's go here today. Acts 9, starting in verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that means if he found any Christians, this is before the Christians were called Christians, they were called followers of the way. If they found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly... A light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight. And for three days he was without sight. I want you to get that. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in to lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. It's a powerful conversion story of this man named Saul who's persecuting the church. He's murdering people who are Christians. He's arresting them. He's binding them. He's gone to the high priest to get paperwork so that he can do some more of what he's already been doing. And as he's on the way to Damascus, he has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. The one he's been challenging him now shows up to him. And in this moment, Saul, who later we would know as the Apostle Paul, loses his sight 
but he gains his vision. Think about this. He loses his sight. He loses his ability to see with his natural eyes. But in that process of losing his sight, he gains a vision. It's important to understand that you and I are both physical and spiritual. We are natural and we are supernatural. Although we live in this body and this vehicle of flesh, who we truly are, is inside of us and it was dead through our trespasses and sins but now Christ because of what he has done breathes new life into us and so the thing that was dead now lives now we have the ability to see and hear in a completely new way we are physical and we are spiritual the the reason we oftentimes focus so much on the physical realm is because it deals with what we can see, touch, taste, sense, feel. And because of that, we lean into it, missing the fact that there is something happening in a completely different realm that we cannot see with our natural eyes. If you're familiar with the story of Elisha and his servant, one day an army shows up to take Elisha away and and his servant walks out and he sees this large army around and he, he, he freaks out and goes, Elisha, they're, they're here, they're gonna take us away, what's going on? Elisha walks outside with his coffee. This is my translation. He walks outside with his coffee and he says, oh, it's no thing. Um, there's more here with us than there are with them. And I can imagine the servant going, what in the world are you talking about? I don't know what kind of thing you've been smoking, Elisha, and maybe I need to get a hit on that thing because obviously there's just you and I and there's an entire army surrounding us. And Elisha says, God opened his eyes. Now watch this. Weren't his eyes already open? His eyes were already open because he sees the enemy that surrounds him. But see, Elisha's not talking about his physical ability to see. He's saying, God, open up his eyes and allow him to see from your perspective. Because in your perspective, greater are those that are with us than those that are against us. Are you beginning to see how powerful this thing of vision can be? Because it changes everything. It changes the way you see life. It changes the way you approach life. It changes the way you approach obstacles because now obstacles are opportunities because I see it through the perspective of my heavenly father and not through the perspective of these two things in my head. The other day I took uh, my daughter, one of my daughters, we were at the lake. We're on a dock. And I looked down and I see this bass swimming around. I said, Lily, look, 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 look at that bass. She said, where? I don't see it. I said, right there. I'm pointing at this bass. I'm pointing at this fish that's swimming around. She's like, dad, I can't see it. I'm like, it's right there in front of you. What is the, it's right there. I mean, I could have taken a rock and hit it on its head. It's right there. And she's like, I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see it. And about that time, I grabbed my sunglasses and took them off and realized I couldn't see it either. But once I put my sunglasses on her head and she looked down, she saw what was always there. Here's the question. 
When did the army of heaven show up on Elisha's behalf? They were always there. He just couldn't see it. So there is a realm where God is moving and we do not see it in the natural. But if we can get a vision of it, we can pull it to where these scenes can see it. Does that make sense to you? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 9, but as it is written, where what no eye has seen, tell the person next to you, you haven't seen it yet, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. We talked about this last week. God has prepared some amazing things for you. The problem is you can't see it. And you can never walk in what you cannot see. You can never have what you cannot see. So there's a problem there. God's made something for me, but I can't see it. I haven't heard about it. It's not even entered into my imagination. So what's the solution? Verse 10, these things, what things? The things that God has prepared. See, Jim, God is not in heaven preparing anything for you. He's not looking at you and Rhonda and like, you know what? Holy Spirit, Jesus, let's get together here. They've been, they've been faithful to our kingdom. Let's see what we can do for them. It's not how God operates. God operates and does something before we experience or have seen it, even see it. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain, what? Before the foundations of the world. Before he died, he already died. <laughs> Are you getting this? It happens in the spiritual before it happens in the natural. So there are things that you have not seen, heard, or imagined for your life, about your life, about who you are. They're already there. You just haven't seen it because it's still laid up in a spiritual realm. But verse 10 gives us really good news because it says these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So what happens is the Spirit of God starts to show us what we can't see with these eyes. He begins to tell us what we cannot hear with these ears. He begins to cause us to dream, dreams that we cannot fathom in our own imagination, and it all is a part of this thing called vision. See, in our, our natural mind, we see sight and vision to be very similar. In our, in our English language, they're pretty much interchangeable. But if you look at it through a spiritual lens, you see that they become different. Because Saul loses his sight, but he gains a vision. So sometimes we have to cut off our senses so we can see. We have to cut off what we're seeing so that we can actually see what God is doing. Does that make sense? So sight deals with what I can see in the natural. It, it deals with what something is. If I go outside and I walk up to a tree, I see a tree and my, my brain goes, hey, that's a tree. I can smell it, smells like a tree, feels like a tree, looks like a tree because that's what it is it is a tree that's what my sight tells me sight deals with what it is vision on the other hand is seeing from god's eternal perspective so vision doesn't see something as it is it sees what it can 
become. So my sight says it's a tree. My vision says it's a bed. My vision says it's a chair. My vision says it's a deck. My vision says it's a house. Same tree, one looks at it with sight, one looks at it with vision. Why is that important for us to understand? Because your marriage may be in a place that you see it right now, but it doesn't mean it has to stay there because you can get a vision of what it can become. Your personal situation, where you are right now, you don't have to stay there if you can get a vision for it. But remember, you've got to be able to see it on the inside of you before you walk in the reality of it because you can never take hold of what you have not seen. So I actually learned to see before I see. Is this confusing anyone yet? I learned to live my life in a way that I see before I see. I see it in here before I hold it in my hands. I see what my marriage can become before it is actually that way. I see what this church can become before I actually see it to be that way. Vision is powerful. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation of that same verse says where there is no prophetic vision. That's a God-centered vision. People cast off restraint. What happens is when I don't have a vision for my life, it causes me to wander around aimlessly. When I don't have a vision for my life, I will die where I am because I can't see the possibility of anything better. Does that make sense? I live stuck because I live according to what I see and not according to what God has said. See, some of us, we have painted this picture of who we are, what we can do, what we cannot do based upon our experience, based upon life, based upon what others have said. And if you only live according to what you can see or touch or sense or feel, you will miss out on the bigger picture of who you are in Christ and what Christ can do for you. So you've got to get a vision because once I see it, I can start to move into it. But if I don't have a vision for it, I'll miss it even though it is there. Even though the army is surrounding my promise and my problem, I'll miss it because I can't see it. Last week, we talked a little bit about this, but we talked about the fact that people for years traveled by donkey or by foot. People traveled by boat because they did not see the reality of a car or an airplane. Now, let me ask you this. When was the possibility of the car or the airplane created? It's always been there. See, in our natural mind, we want to go to a date of, you know, this is when the automobile was made. This is when the car was made. But the truth is, everything that was needed for the airplane, everything that was needed for the automobile was in the earth from day one. People just couldn't see it. And because they couldn't see it, they had to walk everywhere they went. Because they couldn't see it, they had to take a boat where they went. But as soon as someone had a revelation or a vision of what was in the dirt and they started seeing it for what it could become and they started working on it, 
then it became something fruitful that could take them beyond where they were. Does that make sense? It's the same thing for your life. When you can start looking at your life through God's eternal perspective, you can start seeing the potential of who you can be, not based upon where you are or where you've come from, but based upon what God says about you. And I just choose to believe if God has said it, I'm going to walk in it. If God says it belongs to me, it belongs to me now. I used to love, my dad used to say, son, if, if God tells you he's sending you a car, go ahead and build a garage because it's coming. I may not see the car right now, but it's coming. So vision is powerful because it can change your entire life by looking at it through God's perspective and seeing what it can become and not staring at what it is. See, the reason I say sometimes we got to cut off our senses so that we can sense what God is doing because we get so caught up in what we see now and that becomes our reality. I see the problem now. I see my issue now and that becomes my reality. But if I can learn to back up a little bit and stop staring at what it is, stop staring at the obstacle, that obstacle becomes this opportunity for God to show up and do something amazing. It becomes an opportunity for God to show me the army that's been surrounding me the entire time, the host of heaven that's been with me every day of my life. And now I begin to understand that if God is for me, who can be against me? I understand that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I mean, you can try all you want, but it will not prosper, it will not succeed, because because God is with me. And although I don't see it with my natural eyes, I see it on the inside. And that becomes more real to me than what I see out here. Because to be honest with you, the spiritual realm is way more real than the physical realm. What God is doing in the realm that we cannot see with our eyes is much more powerful than we could ever fathom. And through the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to tap into that realm. We have the ability to start saying, God, who is it that you say I am? What is it that you say I can have? What is it that you say that I can do? And no matter what my resources look like, or no matter what things seem to be like, I choose to walk where you're taking me. I, I told the first service, my... Uh, Grandfather's cousin, my, my family came from Armenia. They escaped the genocide based upon a prophetic word. And the people that responded to that prophecy came over, their lives were saved. They went from New York all the way to California and they settled there. Problem is they left everything that they had. They left their land, their homes. I mean, they didn't have anything except for their family. And when they settled there, my great-grandfather opened the scriptures to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, because the way the Armenian people would operate is they would sit there and pray and wait for God to speak. And when God spoke, they would open the scripture and read what he said. So my great-grandfather, all this is recorded in a book, read Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, about how they could be blessed in the field, blessed in the city, prosper everywhere they go, the head, not the tail, above, not beneath. And that word started producing something inside of them. But they had nothing. Except for a little donkey. And my grandfather's cousin started looking at a donkey. And he realized that the city didn't have fresh vegetables. So he decided, I'm going to take this donkey. And I'm going to drive vegetables from the country down to L.A. and sell fresh produce. 
So he starts selling this. He's just a kid. He starts selling this produce on his donkey. Being able to save up, buys a milk cow. Keeps on doing what he's doing. Eventually, winds up with three milk cows. Keeps on doing what he's doing, buys a little bit of land. Over time, this thing begins to grow and begins to expand. He became the largest dairy farmer in the world. But it started with a donkey. How many of us were at our house frustrated because all we got is a donkey? And we complained about the fact, all I got is a donkey. If I had a milk cow, that'd be a start, but all I got is a donkey. Not realizing the donkey is all you need to get the thing going. You've just got to learn to move the donkey in the right direction. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of this series that we've been talking about. What you need is already in you. God's just waiting for you to see it that way. Every need in your life already has a seed. The problem is we look at the seed and we go, oh, that's so insignificant. That can do nothing for me. And God's saying, if you'll release it, it'll grow into something. I'm telling you, we live far below our means here on this earth because we've not truly tapped into who God is and what he's accomplished for us through this thing called salvation. It's more than just getting us to heaven. He deposited his spirit inside of us. He calls us to live. And that life that is inside of us has the ability to see, has the ability to hear, and has the ability to dream. And if I can get that man inside of me working, things are starting to begin to shift and change. That's the whole theme of the Bible. The whole theme of the Bible is people discovering who they are through Christ. It's not about your ability. It's about what God has placed inside of you. And he's championing you. And he's saying, I want it to flourish. I want it to thrive. But first, you've got to be able to see it. Because if you don't see it, you'll give up where you are. Vision gives me a new perspective. Tell the person next to you, vision gives me a new perspective. A few weeks ago, we talked about the woman who was in debt. The creditors were going to come take her sons away to be their slaves to pay off what she owed. And she goes to Elisha and she says, I need help. The creditors are coming. They're going to take my boys away. And Elisha asks her a question that seems very insensitive. Well, what do you got in your house? And her first response is nothing. That's what she thought. I don't have anything. I don't have what it takes to fix this situation. He says, nothing. He says, oh, well, there's this little bit of oil, but it's insignificant. And Elisha says, that'll work. She saw lack, he saw increase. Same oil. She saw not enough, he saw more than enough. Same oil, different perspective. He says, take that and go start pouring it into jars, and then God begins to multiply it. I just wonder how many of you are looking at your life, looking at your oil going, that's just not enough. When someone on the outside can look at it and go, that's more than enough. And remember, it's easier for us to see the potential in someone else and miss what's going on inside of us until I get a vision. Vision changes my perspective. Think about the boy who brought the two-piece meal from Long John Silver's with the extra side of biscuits to Jesus' camp meeting. Jesus is going long, and his disciples walk up, and they go, hey, man, people are getting hungry. We need to send them away, which was code for, I'm tired. You've been speaking a long time. 
I would like to get something to eat. Because a lot of times we project, like, you know, I'm good, Jesus, but Bill's hungry. <laughs> I could stay here all day, Jesus, but look at Bill. He's ready to go, bro. You need to wind it up and let him go get something to eat. He, they say, the disciples say, we need to send him away. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't send him away. You feed him. With what? We've already said there's not enough. We don't have enough, we don't have enough money to go buy enough food. Jesus says, well, go look and see what you got. So they go up to this poor little kid who was the only smart, uh, one smart enough to pack a lunch for Jesus' meeting. <laughs> they take his lunch away. They bring it to Jesus. <laughs> and they go, all we got is five loaves and two fish. And Jesus goes, that's enough. Really? Think about it. That's enough. In all actuality, it's not enough. Two fish and five loaves of bread is not enough to feed the thousands of people that are there. But Jesus sees it from a different perspective. He sees what God can do with it when it's placed in his hands. He sees what God can do with it when he blesses it and begins to break it. Then it begins to multiply and increase. Are you seeing this? If you can just see the potential and lay it in his hands and allow him to bless it, he'll begin to multiply it and increase it. Vision changes your perspective. Second thing that vision does is this. Vision fuels your faith. Vision fuels your faith. The Bible says that his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So through the word of God, I begin to see things that I cannot see on my own. He begins to illuminate some things to me. And I begin to see through his word that if he did it for this person, then he can do it for me. If he provided for them, he can provide for me. If he healed them, he can heal me. And what happens is as I get in that word, it not only gives me a vision, but my faith begins to fill up because I see that God is no respecter of persons. Why would he help Moses and leave me stranded? Are you, are you following that? Well, he wouldn't. So now I've got faith that no matter what happens in my life, he's the God of miracles. He's the one that splits the Red Sea. He's the one that causes food to drop out of the ground to provide for the children of Israel. And some of you are going, oh, that's just the Bible times. Well, that's why you will live in lack. Can I be real with you? Because that's your perspective on it. My other great-grandfather, he was a pastor and he was assigned to this church in this small town and had a dirt floor and a little room above the auditorium where he lived. And at the time, it was just him, my great-grandmother, and my grandmother, who was a child. And in this room, they didn't have enough coal to heat the room, so it was cold. They didn't have enough food to eat. And so my grandmother, who was just a little girl, went to bed crying out of starvation. And it broke my great-grandfather's heart. I mean, how many of you would know that's, that's a heartbreaking feeling? It's one thing to not be able to feed yourself, but it's completely different to not be able to feed your babies. And so he put them to bed, and he went to pray. And he said, God, he said, it's one thing for me to starve. He said, but it's completely different for my, my little baby to starve. He said, you've called me to this church. You've placed me here. Now I'm asking you to provide for me. I'm asking you to give us what we need before morning. I'm asking that when we wake up, we'll have breakfast to eat. I'm asking that when we wake up, we'll have coal for the furnace. 
How many of us say, well, that's just ridiculous? Most of us would. Most of us, if we had no food and no coal, we would panic. Am I right? We would freak out. But something within him said, if God can do it for them, he can do it for me. And he gets down and prays. Before the sun comes up, there's a knock on his door. And the lady says, is this the, where the preacher lives? He said, yeah, I'm him. She said, well, God woke me up at 3 a.m., told me and my sister to get some food together. So we brought you this food. Gave him a whole crate of food. He said, we had coffee. We had creamer. We had sugar for our coffee. He said, I was living like a king. When they leave, another person comes up to the door, knocks on the door, and says, hey, I work at the coal mine. My boss told me to bring this whole crate of coal over to your house. Everything he needed was supplied to him. But it's because he didn't choose to look at his circumstance through the eyes that are natural, but through vision of what God can do. Do you see how this could change everything about your life? It could change your marriage. Because I'm not going to see myself as the husband I am now. I'm going to see where God can take me. I'm not going to see myself as the father I am now. I'm going to see where God can take me. I'm not going to see myself as the pastor I am now. I'm going to see where God can take me. And some of you are going, how much further can God take you as a pastor? You're already excellent. Trust me. There's more. There's more. More humility. That's true. So it gives me a perspective that fuels my faith. But the third thing that I want you to understand about vision is this. Vision produces endurance. Turn to the person next to you and say, vision produces endurance. Life, if you haven't caught on yet, is difficult. It's tough. There's rough patches. I mean, there's moments of momentum where, like, things are going good, and you feel like, man, everything's going great right now. But then all of a sudden, you hit a roadblock. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it it has a way. Life has a way of digging at you to the point to where you want to give up. Even the toughest of people at times have moments where they feel like, throwing their hands in the air and walking away. I don't know if you'd be honest enough to admit it, but there's been moments in my life where things have gotten to a point where I've just felt like walking away. I felt like giving up. Isn't there something else I can do with my life? I've had those moments. We all do. And David, King David, gives us some insight through the scriptures that I love because he understands what you feel. He understands what you're going through. He understands the pain and the pressure of life probably more than most of us understand. David walked through some stuff that was painful. And he says this, he says, I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I would have thrown my hands in the air. When life got difficult, Bob, when I didn't know how I was going to make it, I would have given up and walked away unless I believed that I would see The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What's he saying? Yes, life's tough, and I would walk away from it all. I would give up, but I believe. I've seen something on the inside of me, and I believe I'm going to see it happen with my natural eyes in the land of the living. I believe that God is going to move on my behalf, and so I've got the endurance to go. I've got the endurance to keep on moving. You know what the key, Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, Through all the pain, it says he endured the suffering for the joy. 
that was set before him. He had a vision of the joy that was set before him, the family that he was producing through his suffering. That's what he focused on. Not the pain, not the suffering, not the hurt, not the people turning their backs on him, but what God was doing in that moment. And he chose, I'm going to fix my eyes on that. And it gave him the ability to endure and make it to the other side. That's what you need. When you have these moments where you feel giving up, you need to have a vision that reminds you that there is better, that there is more, that there is something else, that I don't have to stay here where I'm at. I don't have to live my life in the valley. Yeah, I'm going to walk through valleys. The Bible says that. I'm going to walk through valleys, but I don't have to camp out there. And I'll keep on moving because I know, I know somewhere out there, I can't see it yet, but somewhere out there, if I'll keep on moving, there's a green pasture waiting on me. If I'll just keep on moving, there's a green pasture waiting on me. It, you need to start getting this inside of you. So that when challenges come, you can look at it and go, I see the challenge, but I know that God is greater. And I know God's going to do something. And sometimes through our greatest pain, God produces the greatest promise. Sometimes the moments where we feel like we're being broken is God breaking us so he can bless us. We don't like the breaking process. But see, my vision says that if I'm going through it, there's a purpose for it. And I, he, he's working all things together for my good. The painful moments, the tough moments, even the good, everything's working together for my good. I love the story of Florence Chadwick. She decided to swim 26 miles from the Catalina Islands to the California coast. And in her process of swimming, she's trained for this day. She gets out, she starts going. She's going good, but then a fog starts to roll in. And as the fog settles in, she gets disoriented. She can't see her surroundings and she begins to get tired. And eventually she calls for help. And the boat that was riding alongside of her for safety pulls her in. And they're like, what's up? You've trained for this. She says, well, I couldn't see. The fog was so heavy, I got disoriented. And that's the truth about life. Fog will get so heavy at times where you can't tell up from down, right from left. You don't know where you are. You don't know what's happening. And it makes us want to call for the rescue boat to come get us out of it. She finds out that she was one mile short from her destination. All the hard work was behind her, but she gave up right before she got it. I just wonder how many of us in here, we give up right before we get it. We had a vision, we had a dream, but life happens, we get worn out, things don't go the way we want to go, and it starts to wear us down. And we give up. We don't realize how close we were, that breakthrough was right around the corner, and we just walk away. We abandon the harvest before it sprouts. Think about that. A friend of mine was on an airplane with Oral Roberts, and he asked Brother Roberts, he said, what do you think it is that the body of Christ needs to be aware of? My friend said he was, had his little candy playing with it. He said, people walk away from the harvest before they gather it. He popped his candy in his mouth, shut his eyes, went to sleep. We walk away from what God has prepared 
before we reap it. It was there. So Florence Chadwick, she decides, okay, I'm, I'm going to go back at this. I'm going to try it again. You know what happens? Same fog comes in. Same fog, same challenge, same mess comes. But this time she reaches the coast. And they asked her, they said, How, what, what, what was different between last time and this time? I mean, the fog stopped you before, but now you, you made it. And she said, this time I had a vision of the shore inside of me. I had a vision of the shore inside of me. Although she couldn't see in the natural, she had a vision of the shore inside of her, and it gave her the endurance she needed to complete the task. You've got to have a God-centered vision for your life because if not, you'll wander around aimlessly and you'll die where you are. But if you have that vision, God ignites something inside of you that says, I know I can. I can do it. I can make it. I am more than enough through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not so that we can just become this great thing and boast of our goodness. It's about the fact that we can talk about God taking the little bit of oil that was there and doing something magnificent with it. So he gets the glory. That's why God loves using people who in the natural seem unqualified or disqualified. Because when he does something with it, he gets the glory. Saul was headed in the wrong direction. And God takes his sight. But in that time, he begins to get before the Lord. The Bible says he went three days. He didn't have sight for three days. But he also, he didn't eat. He didn't drink. He was praying. See, that, that season of fasting cuts off our senses. And as he began to cut off his senses and the things that he's relied on his entire life, he begins to see like never before. And God takes him from being a persecutor of the church to a champion of the church who writes the majority of the New Testament scriptures. What can God do for you? What can God do through you? What can he accomplish for, your, for his kingdom if you'll just become aware of what you've got? Listen, you have so much potential inside of you. Every single one of you, you're sitting on a bag of seed. You need to start planting it. You need to start nurturing it. You need to start seeing for what it can become. Forget about the past. Forget about the hurts. Forget about the failures. Set your eyes ahead and start moving and watch God do what only he can do. Would you stand with me? Father, today I pray for everyone who's watching online as well as those who are in this room. And we ask that you would move in a mighty and powerful way. Do what only you can do. Father, produce inside of us a vision that will give us the endurance to keep on going. Give us a vision that will shift our perspective from not enough to more than enough. Lord, you are great. You are mighty. You are awesome. And your spirit lives inside of us. So today we ask that you would resurrect our dreams, our hopes, our visions. Cause us to live and see the way you see, in Jesus' name.